0: If you just started coming to Life of Purpose not too long ago, or maybe this is your first, second, third time, you're going to love this sermon. I think you're going to appreciate this sermon because we're going to kind of, like the Wizard of Oz, pull back the curtain and show you a little bit about kind of why we exist, why we're here in St. Clair Shores and what our purpose is. And more than anything, like the the title of the message says, my hope is that you'll love our purpose. And that's why we're having a ministry fair afterwards. We want you to stick around afterwards. The real simple thing. We're just going to kind of have stations set up on both sides upstairs, up here, and you're just going to kind of walk up to the leader and just talk to him a little bit. Ask him if you have some more. I'll give you some instruction on the end there. But um, it is going to uh, hopefully encourage you to serve. Our purpose comes in in three parts. Um, but I want to just first tell you that um, not all churches are the same. I think I'm still a little bit too hot. I think if you could bring me down maybe the gain just a little bit. If you've been to different churches before, if you've, if you've attended different churches throughout your life, you might recognize that not all churches are the same. And I'm not just talking about the style of the church. I'm not talking about like the kind of worship. That's generally how churches are described, like what kind of music do they play, you know, but I'm not really talking about that, I'm really talking about the kind of the core values that drive the church, like what is it that their focus is, and I want to just tell you that there's a, um, I I read this article, I heard this church um, about an hour from here, and they went from 100 people to 1,500 people in less than two years. And here's the interesting reason why. How did they grow so quickly? The pastor started doing a diatribe uh, during the middle of the service. Don't worry, I had to look up that word too. It's fancy. It's basically an attack on a certain group of people or an organization. So his diatribe was an attack on Democrats and supporting the Republican, what the Republicans were doing. And it was interesting that the church grew so dramatically because of that. And it, it just basically, to me, it appears that in some churches, people care more about how the pastor stands on certain political views rather than does he actually stand on the Word of God. And that's a little scary to think that that's what churches are becoming. Now there are other churches that really not too far away. I'm sure you might have attended them before. And they will boast that they have everything that you would want in a church. They have more programs in their church than we have chairs. I mean, they got something for everyone and they are going to take care of you. And they put a lot of money into those programs and I'm just not convinced that is the purpose of God's church. That's not the goal. So what are we known for? How do I describe it to you? How can I tell you kind of what our core values are? what our goals are, what our purposes is? What are we trying to do? The best is, I've used this illustration before, and it comes up on the screen here, I hope. It's a trellis and a vine. Are you familiar with a trellis and a vine? I'm sure surely you, you may have had a, a clematis or some kind of uh, um, flower producing that, that, that has to grow on a clematis or uh, the trellis on the left there. The trellis is um, uh, a support system for the plant, right? It, it, that's what a trellis is like the programs within a church, it's the structure, if you will. The trellis is supposed to hold up that which is beautiful. Nobody drives by or walks by a house and says, to a bare trellis, wow, what a beautiful piece of wood. <laughs> you don't do that. But when you walk by a beautiful flowering, like this vine here full of grapes, you're, you're, you're amazed by that. You're, you're impressed by its beauty and it, the fruit it's producing. And that's exactly what Jesus said in John 15. He said, I'm the vine and you're the branches. And then nobody, if you don't produce fruit, then you're, you're really missing the mark. You're missing the point here. So the people are what make the church beautiful because we're the body of Christ. Healthy churches understand this. And so we have this little saying. We try to put it on our signs and our programs. And our purpose is this we want to help people get closer to God, we want to help you understand the Bible. And we want to help you love one another. That's kind of our saying. You might have seen that before. It's in the programs. We're here to help you understand or get closer to God, understand the Bible, and love one another. And I want to talk to you about each of those things this morning because I think that you can help us help others. So how do we help people get closer to God? First of all, it's very simple. Invite them to church. Invite them to church. And when I say that, You have to understand what I'm saying by church. I'm not saying a building. I'm not saying invite them to a building. Invite them to the body of Christ. Invite them to know the church. When I was in college, my first year, we didn't stay in the dorms for very long. We got this house and it was sort of a uh, a hodgepodge of uh, four other guys. I, I, I had four other roommates. How many of you ever had a lot of roommates before and stayed in the house before? Okay, yeah, um, four, f- five guys in a place. Let's just say it wasn't very clean. And uh, I went to Michigan Tech. It's an engineering school, so let's just say the other guys weren't as cool as I am. Okay, believe it or not, I really did see guys with pocket protectors. Okay, my, it's a thing. Like it really was a thing. Now I'm dating myself. It's a while ago, but. So inviting somebody over to my house was not really something I wanted to do, you know, because I thought these guys would, like, embarrass me, you know what I mean? Teenagers, help me with this. Do your parents embarrass you when you invite their friends over? That's probably why, you know, if friends come over to your house, then parents, good job, you're not embarrassing your kids. But, um, yeah, you, you know what it's like, but here's the thing. I personally have no worries about inviting someone to Life of Purpose Church, because, You guys are amazing. You guys are wonderful people. Give yourself a hand. In fact, I've known this for a while, and when I became full-time in 2020, um, in July 2020, when I became full-time, my first major goal was to get people to come here and experience you guys. Like that was my number one goal. And so I knew if, if, if we could just help people understand that we exist, we're here, we're on 10 mile, you know, we're by the bell tire, that's the big mark, like, you know, everybody, oh, wow, I know the bell tire, you know, and um, just get them here, discover how amazing you are, and, and they would, the, the rest would take care of itself. But that's not always easy to do, and you may have tried to invite people here to life, purpose. In fact, if you try to invite someone to church, which is what I'm encouraging you to do, um, you're going to come up against three obstacles in certain people's lives. These are main. These are the main three barriers, obstacles that keep people from coming to church. The first one is, where do I go? Like we, like they need to know we exist. It's conceivable to think that people could live in St. Clair Shores and never drive down ten mile and see us. I mean, obviously, if they drove down 10 miles, they'd see all the signs, you know, they, they would see that there's a church here, but not everyone does that. Not everyone drives down 10 miles. So there has to be other ways of letting them know that we exist. And by the way, you're doing a great job of it. There's lots of people today here that I'm looking and I'm seeing they're wearing their Life of Purpose sweatshirt their hoodie, their t-shirts. I wore mine yesterday to pit my daughter and my son we're in homecoming for Lakeview yesterday and we went to Blossom Heath for pictures. There was like two thousand people there. All right? Free advertising. I wore my shirt, alright? <laughs> I've a purpose. You know? And um, but you guys are doing this like every time I see someone post on on social media like, hey I'm looking for a church, I'm in St. Clair Shores. I see one, two, three, four of you saying, hey, come visit Life of Purpose. Great people there. And you're doing a good job. We're making ourselves known. We're overcoming that obstacle of people don't know we exist. So they know. They're figuring that out. And it's kind of funny because, honestly, 10 years ago, well, for 13 years, our first 13 years, we rented a school. So our signage was out for about three hours a week on Sunday morning." And social media wasn't a huge thing. And so we had a, the hardest time. I mean, when you don't have your own place, and it's just very, it was very difficult. And someone would say to me sometimes, like, oh, what church uh, are you part, a pastor of? And I say, I know. I, I know when I say this to them, they're going to say, oh, I, I think I heard of you. And I know they never heard of us. <laughs> but I'd say it anyway. And oh, oh, yeah, I think I heard of you guys. No, you haven't. We don't have any signs. We got n- <laughs> Totally different story now, all right? People know he exists. The second reason, the second obstacle, is some people, a lot of people, don't trust religion. They really don't. They don't trust religion. They ha- they might have had a bad experience at a, in a church before, or maybe growing up, you know, the, the the kind of church that they went to. But honestly, they just don't trust religion. They might have heard someone had a bad experience, and um, and that's a big obstacle. And the third obstacle is. Some people honestly just don't care about God. There's an apathy for God. They're very self-reliant. They can just take care of themselves on their own. They don't need God. They don't really have faith. They don't need faith. It's really, it's really sad to me when, when it happens. I've shared the gospel with family members, with people, and, they, and they're just like, no, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm happy with life. No problems. You know, I don't really need God. Those are like the three obstacles, and if we're going to overcome those obstacles, we need to, first of all, as I said, to overcome this one that we exist, is keep talking about us, wearing your shirts, you know, um, spreading the word on social media. That really does help. Um, But secondly, um, I think all of us need to, if we're going to overcome this obstacle of people don't trust religion, we have to help people understand that what we're doing here is not Religion. Religion, as I've said before, is is often man's way of trying to mess up his relationship with God. See, we're about a relationship with Jesus Christ, and I need all of us to keep being authentic, real, genuine. If there's one consistent, common thread that I hear all the time when people come to Life of Purpose, it is man, your people are genuine. They're authentic, they're real people. And they're trying to get closer to God and love God. And that, to me, is what we need to keep doing because that helps people overcome that. Listen, it's not about religion. We're not trying to follow the rules here. We follow the rules because it honors God. It's a response, not a way of trying to earn our salvation. So that is our goal, and that is what, something that you can do. Thirdly, to overcome apathy honestly, this is the toughest obstacle to overcome. When someone just doesn't care about God, someone's fine with the way they're living their life and they just don't really want to hear it, I think the main thing that you can do is pray that they will be convicted and called by God. That the Holy Spirit will give you some boldness to share your faith with them, to share your story with them, to listen to their story and... Honestly, through that, God can open their spiritual eyes. In fact, there's a, 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 there, there's a clue, a huge clue in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, that tells us exactly how it happens. How is it that someone cannot be interested in God, can be totally apathetic towards God, and then all of a sudden, just like that, like the flick of a switch, they all of a sudden are interested in God and and their spiritual eyes are open and they want to get closer to God. How does that happen overnight? Literally overnight. Well, the verse is Romans 10, 17. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes from hearing the word of Christ. Hearing God's word, hearing the gospel. Conviction comes when you share the truth. When you speak the truth in love. And I know that some Christians are very zealous about sharing their faith with others. Sometimes a little too zealous. I just want to encourage you, please don't preach at people. Please don't condemn people. Please don't point out their sin. And I'm going to be honest with you, there's a lot of Christians that think that's like their spiritual gift or something. Like God's like spoken there. You should just tell everybody how sinful they are. Please don't do that. that. That is not what Jesus did. It's what the Pharisees did. It's not what Jesus did. I don't really see Jesus ever doing that as I look through the Gospels. The only time he pointed out people's sin was when he pointed out the Pharisees' sin, the ones that were supposed to be really super religious. The scribes and the lawyers, they consider themselves super righteous because they were obedient to the law. It was their work. But Jesus never did that to regular Joes like you and me. He still taught repentance. He still offered forgiveness. But he never shamed people for their sin. Because people already knew they were guilty. And he knew their heart. And he didn't need to point it out. He loved them. In fact, here's a great example of it. And I won't read through the scripture, I'm going to just tell you the story. In Luke 7, there was a story of Jesus going to a dinner. He got invited to a Pharisee's dinner, which is always kind of interesting. It's like, you know, he's going to the dinner of the enemy, you know, the ones that basically had him crucified. But the guy's name was Simon, and Simon the Pharisee invited him to dinner, and Jesus shows up at the dinner, and Jesus doesn't get the normal customary greeting that you should get when you come to someone's house for dinner. He doesn't greet him with the customary kiss. He doesn't have his servants wash Jesus' feet. He doesn't honor Jesus by anointing his head with oil. In fact, he probably gave him the worst seat at the table. So Jesus goes anyway, and he's sitting at dinner, and this woman crashes the dinner. She's a sinful woman, it says. She was probably a prostitute. Everybody knew about her lifestyle. They knew that it's just sinner. this woman was a sinner. And she sits at the feet of Jesus. She anoints his feet with her kisses her expensive perfume and her tears because this woman is seeking forgiveness from Jesus and Jesus points out to Simon the Pharisee this truth those who need forgiveness will try to get closer to God they will seek out God they will go to church but those who think they're good enough on their own will keep their distance from a holy, righteous God. And friends, I've been pastoring for a long time now, and I've come to realize this truth has not changed. I don't need to point out people's sin. I don't need to convict anyone. Their conscious will do it for themselves. I just need to keep the door open, keep loving them, keep inviting them to the cross, keep inviting them to church. And that's why I love our church. We won't condemn you. We won't shame you. We might love you a little bit too much. We might give you a couple hugs. And sometimes that's uncomfortable for people. I get that. But we're huggers here at Life of Purpose, all right? It's going to happen. And honestly, I assume that every new person that walks through the door comes to church for the very first time. I assume you're just like that sinful woman. I assume that you have come here broken, hurting, and you need forgiveness. And you want to be loved, valued, and forgiven. And that's what I assume. You want to get closer to God. You want to follow Jesus. You want authentic relationships with other Christians. And I'm glad we're here. I'm glad that that's what we are all about. And that's our purpose. So if someone comes here to show off how good they are, how religious they are, I say, don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. Amen. We're not that kind of church. We like imperfect people who need Jesus. And here's the thing. That means we don't accept everyone. And I know that's a huge buzzword, because I see that all the time in social media. People say, oh, I'm looking for a church, do you accept everyone? And I know churches feel this pressure to say, oh yeah, we accept everyone. Yeah, we welcome everyone. Everyone can come. But you know what? Jesus didn't accept everyone. And now you might be thinking, what? Where does it say that? Who didn't Jesus accept? He didn't accept those that didn't acknowledge their own sin. The Pharisees, the scribes, the lawyers, the the ones that that knew the law and thought obedience to the law was what made them righteous. He He didn't accept them. In fact, in Luke 11, verse 37, Jesus didn't accept those people that took God's word and twisted it to fit their lifestyle and their agenda. Luke 11:37. Jesus was speaking. This was a different Pharisee. Asked him to dine with him. So he went in, he reclined at the table. The Pharisee was astonished, appalled, if you will, to see that Jesus didn't wash his hands the way you were supposed to before dinner. And Jesus said to them, because he knew they were appalled by his not following the customs of, the, of their way, and he says, you Pharisees, Cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. Jesus points out to these religious people who had the appearance of righteousness, oh, you're religious, but your hearts are ugly. Your hearts are ugly, and you would not inherit the kingdom of heaven. And sadly, these people were keeping others From heaven too, it says in verse fifty-two. He says, "Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge." Now, it's not lawyers. If you're a lawyer in the house today, okay, it's just be. It's those that were professionals in the law, uh, the Ten Commandments and such. But he said, "You've taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves; you hindered those who were entering." And I'm really sad for churches today that don't teach the whole Word of God. That they pick and choose what they want. Scott and I were just talking about this, that expository preaching, when you preach through an entire book of the Bible, you preach through the whole Bible, you as a a teacher, you don't get to pick and choose what you want to teach. You teach the whole Word. You teach what God wants you to teach. And when you teach the whole Word of God, it brings health to the church. Healthy churches teach all of God's word because all of God's word being taught will convict sinners. And when you are convicted, you repent, you turn away. And when you turn away, you turn to God, you walk with him, you have an extraordinary life of joy and peace. The fruits of the spirit come out in your life. So how can you help people get closer to God? You can invite them to a healthy church. And I happen to know one. It's located on 10 mile 20088. No, to, yeah by the bell tire exactly but i 'm going to be honest with you, just keep doing it because it's working. We just had a, 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 a somebody say to me this week, we have a midweek service if you're looking for a midweek service, Wednesday's at seven, and just this Wednesday, I had a woman say to me, You know what I really like this church. We've been to other ones, you know they kind of look down on us. we came here, and it's just you welcomed us you you know and, and it's like We like imperfect people here, because we're imperfect people, and we seek seek the Lord, and, and I just love that. So let's not change that, all right? Can you do that? Amen? All right. Secondly, how do we help people understand the Bible? I love this verse in Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 105 says that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. That's God's word. It lights up your path. And the best way, I think, to understand the Bible, obviously there's lots of ways to understand the Bible, but the best way, I feel like, is when you belong to a group. We call them anchor groups here because, you know, it's our thing. We're by the lake. We have an anchor in our logo. Okay, So we call them the anchor groups. But Jesus had an anchor group of 12 guys. He spent time with these 12 guys, and he taught them God's Word. Now think about it. Did Jesus say, okay, guys, every week, At 11 o'clock on Saturday, for them it was the Sabbath. Did he say, all right, guys, come on, sit in rows and let me uh, teach you guys once a week? No, he didn't do that. He lived life with them for three and a half years. He walked around with them. I'm sure most of the time they gathered in circles, face to face, and talked. And he taught them. And there were times where he taught big crowds. But in essence, they always came back to Jesus and his anchor group, and he was teaching them. And oftentimes he taught with practical stories called parables, which you can read all about in the Gospels. But I'm going to tell you the one method of discipleship that transcends all generations is simply walking alongside someone like Jesus did. If we just walk alongside people, we will disciple them and teach them the Word of God. We have to do it in life. It's the best way to learn, isn't it? By doing, as we go about life, we have to do it that way. That's, that's what an anchor group is. Anchor group is more than a Bible study. We had this discussion in our staff meeting, like, what's the difference between a Bible study and an anchor group? Well, to me, an anchor group just does life together. You do fun things together. You develop friendships you're face to face. You're you're probably meeting in a home in a you know my office is is um, designed to be like a living room so people can kind of get into a circle face to face. We had a great men's Bible study this week. We had probably ten guys around there just talking and we share some food together anchor groups do fun things together. You can go to concerts together, you can go to movies together, go to dinner together, doing everything in a godly way. An anchor group serves together. Our prayer team um, models this wonderfully. They, they go, they've gone to a veterans home on July 4th. They've done multiple prayer walks. They started a, they're going to start a Monday night service at a senior living center. They love getting out and serving together. and a it, prayer team has it brought you guys closer together. Amen. So how do you help other people understand the Bible? Well, join them. Join an anchor group. Invite them to an anchor group. Host an anchor group. We have a few few families that are going to be talking to you today that are in in our stations after our ministry fair, and they're going to tell you about their anchor group and what, what they do. So I want to encourage you to belong to an anchor group or belong to a group. It does make a difference when you're face-to-face. Thirdly, how do we help people love one another? Well, I think the best way to love someone is to serve them. To serve them. To belong to a ministry team. Honestly, I don't want you to sit on your hands and and do nothing. Because then other people will get the wrong idea and think that's what Christians do. There's there's that old adage, right? 10% of the people do 90% of the work. I I don't want that to be the percentage here at, at Life of Purpose. We want to see everyone do the work. And, yeah, and that was Chrissy saying, yes, amen. Everyone should serve. And, and don't worry, we're not going to ask you to do something you're not good at. Because frankly, you're not good at it. Why would we ask you to do something you're not good at if you're not good at it? 1 Peter 4.10 says this, Each of us has received a gift from God. And you should use it to serve one another. Here's the thing. Only do what only you can do. Only do what only you can do. Find out what you're really good at that would bring the most value to life of purpose and do it. And and, and there might be a ministry right now that, that suits you perfectly and you could hear about that after service today. Or there might be something that the Lord's leading you to start. And, and you need someone to kind of walk alongside you and, and help you figure that out I mean that's how a lot of the ministries started here something within someone said you know what we need to we need to help single pregnant moms embrace grace you know we need you know we need to help um, provide for 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 parents that they don't have we have a baby pantry you know like we have, a, we have a food pantry. We have a lot of things that have come out of, hey, what's God leading me to do? What can I do? What am I good at? And, and calling you to, to do that. So Jesus said it's better to give than to receive. You're more blessed when you give, aren't you, than when you receive? So we have ministry teams to, to be a part of. And uh, I hope that you, I encourage you to... To look into that and, and stop making those excuses we make. Oh, I don't have time. I'm too busy. Just, just do it. I mean, in some cases, it's one hour a month. You know, it, I mean, it's that easy. It starts somewhere. Just, just just do it. That's how you can help love one another, by serving one another. That's our purpose. I hope you love our purpose. And I want to finish with this. How do we measure our success? How do we, how do we know if we're accomplishing what God has called us to do. Because most churches measure their success by butts and budgets. Butts in the seat and their overall budget. That's how most churches measure their success. Oh, when you get pastors together, oh man, sometimes it's like, I just want to go in the other room. Oh yeah, we had 200 at service, we're averaging 200, our budget's X amount of dollars. And I'm just like, that's not how I want to measure success. In the book of Acts, there's a little um, story here, a little situation where the Apostle Paul was in uh, a community, and he's traveling to a new community, and if you come on Wednesday nights, we're talking about the Apostle Paul as he wrote this letter to Romans, we're studying Romans, but Paul was um, in Corinth this church of Corinth, in this community, and he was feeling like nervous because it was a dangerous place. And people started to realize that Paul was preaching the truth and the real deal. And, and um, they were receiving his, God's grace and mercy and the whole community was being changed. But let me just read to you Acts 18, verses 9, 10, and 11. The Lord said to Paul in a vision one night, Don't be afraid. Keep speaking, don't be silent. I'm with you, Paul. No one will attack you or harm you. I have many in this city who are my people. In other words, I have many who are going to turn from their wicked ways, turn from their media, their, their, their um, normal, as we would call it, lives, and they're going to they're gonna seek me out. They're going to want to get closer to me. So this community we started responding to, to the message of the gospel, the good news. And strongholds, addictions, and, and so on and so forth were being broken down. And, and the life of this city was totally disrupted because of the awakening and the spreading of God's word. Paul's team, they were being, as Jesus said, the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And, and it, was, it was working. The community was changing. People were being convicted and they were seeking God. And one of my favorite pastors, uh, Pastor Ray Steadman, said this, until something starts happening in the community, the church is a failure. Just think about that. That's how we measure success. Until something starts happening in the community, the church is a failure. And that's, what I want. that's how I want to measure our success at Life of Purpose. Are we changing the community? Are more and more people leaving their idols and seeking God? When people stop Uh, skipping church on Sunday to either sleep in, go to youth sports, go boating. That to me will be the mark of success, for example. And it's not just because I preach a good sermon or because we have a great kids program. It's not going to happen because um, we expect everyone to come to us. It happens when we take the gospel to everyone else, when we invite them into our groups we get face to face we walk alongside people and share the love of christ with them we serve other people and it can happen and it it is happening and we have to expect it to happen but it's only going to happen if we all work together so my question to you is are you in because i'm in but are you in and if we're in it together then we're going to start seeing this success we're going to start seeing a community change a community that, where people that you know at, before didn't want anything to do with God. And now they do. And that's a good mark. That, that says, wow, God is doing something. And he wants to use us to be a part of it. Because don't forget, faith comes from hearing God's word. And sometimes people need to hear God's word by the way you act, not by what you say. So, think about that. Let's act like Christians. And God will do what God can only do. Amen? Amen. I'm going to pray, and our team's going to come up and sing. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you love us and you have blessed us in many ways. God, I don't want you to stop. In this community, there are many. There are many that need to know your love, need to know your grace and your mercy. They need forgiveness. God, they're pursuing the wrong things to make themselves happy. God, they need to pursue you. They need to seek you. And Father, I thank you that you have put us in this place for such a time as this to help people know you, to help people get closer to you and understand your word and love one another. Father, I want to see families changed from the inside out because your Holy Spirit changes them. Father, I pray that you'll do that in our midst. I pray that we'll be faithful to what you've called us to do. I pray this in Jesus' name. And the church said.